What's up, world? Welcome to the Dig on Doug podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and I'm going to be bringing you episodes all about having fun, real, and deep conversations. So I hope you enjoy, and let's get digging. All right, y'all. What's up? Welcome to another episode of the Dig on Doug podcast. Um, doing another episode of Black in America, and I have a, a friend of mine, a high school friend, and still connected and everything. Uh, my boy Isaiah, um, he's joining us today to talk about his experience of being uh, black in America. He's from the Bay Area, but now lives down in, in the dirty, dirty in New Orleans, you know, down there and everything. Um, and so welcome, Isaiah. Glad to have you here today, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Really, really, really appreciate having you on, man. Like you have a very um, interesting life and everything. And I mean, like I said, we we knew each other in high school and, you know, just still connected via Facebook and stuff and still try to stay connected. But you have a very unique story in the sense of where you're at now and things that you are involved in. So just give people a little bit of background of um, who you are, like where you're like from, from, and then just like your experience growing up. Um, originally from, uh, the Bay Area, from Richmond, California, reared up in Richmond. Um, and then finally we settled in Vallejo the last, you know, few years from thinking about from 12 to 18. Um, but my black in America experience, it's funny you ask that I share with somebody today, um, where I realized I was different and I was in a boy, boy scouts, actually cub scouts and Alameda and um I, we went to a park and I was playing with all the white kids and I was doing the same thing they were doing and these other group of people kind of reacted different and I never forget my mom pulled me aside and was like you can't do what they do I'm like we're just kids mm. uh, she was like nah you're different son you're black you you can't do the same things they do and I was just sitting there like man what the hell like what that, that didn't make no sense to me um you know, then yeah, you grow up. How old you know, is how old is that? What age are you at that age? I, I want to say second grade, so maybe eight or nine. Okay. Eight, eight, seven or eight. I know I was young because my little brother. Nah, you know what, bro? It, yeah, it was probably about seven or eight because my little brother was probably like one. Okay. So yeah, I, I was about that age, and um, you know, I really, you know, didn't pay too much attention to it. Kind of sheltered in the Bay Area life and where I was involved there, but always liked the shop. So. Um, my favorite mall was uh, Walnut Concord Mall and then the open air uh, mall out there in Walnut Creek. Yeah. And uh, going into Nordstrom's in Walnut Creek, bro, I found out loss prevention before I ever knew what it was working <laughs> in Marine World, bro. They, they, they find a way to follow you. And crazy thing was we used to send our white partners in there with us and they would steal while they follow us. Yeah. You know, I remember some cats doing that out in, like, Santa Rosa. Um, I remember hearing about that when we were in high school, some cats who did that, like a black guy and a white guy, because they followed the black guy, wouldn't wouldn't pay no attention to the white dude. At all. At all. Um, Then when I... (laughs) First time I ever experienced, like, legit racism um, was August 2002. So um, I'm going, leaving New Orleans. I'm a freshman in college. And I have an aunt that stays in Atlanta. Um, met this young lady who lived in Atlanta. And so she was like, you can ride up with me there. We're driving and we're in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. We put, we exit, we go right. There's a Texaco station. In the middle of the door on a concrete sign. I mean, a concrete sign, cardboard sign. It said, uh, no niggers allowed. Wow. I thought it was a joke. Cause this is my first time in life, bro. I'm 18 years old. I'm in the deep South. Cause if you ever drive to Atlanta, like you go through Mississippi, it's straight through the middle. So like you go through like the redneck, redneck fields, like yeah. we're still sundown towns. Um, it said no niggas allowed. So I walk inside and for the first time I saw these, um, like wet peanuts or whatever they were. And I was like, I'm gonna try some. So the guy said, uh, you ain't seen the sign. I said, yeah, that's a joke. He said, boy, it ain't no joke. So immediately I'm like, boy, wow, 18. You don't tell me no boy. And um, her name was Katina. She comes inside. I was like, this is the wrong spot. Let's go. This is the wrong spot. Let's go. So yeah. we ended up getting in the car, driving back under the overpass, go to the other side. And there was a Valero station. So I asked her what was up with that. And she was like, man, this is South. You don't do that. We'll get hung. And, uh, wow. In 2002. I mean, that was, yeah, that was 2002. August of 2002. 
And um, that was my first real taste. I mean, in Southern racism versus West Coast racism is different. West Coast, they'll they'll grab their purse when you get into an elevator so that they feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Southern, they'll just let you know, I, I don't want to be in the elevator with you. Okay, thank you. Oh, wow. You know, I like my racist racist. I like uh-huh. to know how you feel. Yeah. And so, I mean, that had to be a huge shocker from you. I mean, coming from the West Coast and, you know, how they always like love to say out here, oh, we're mixed and we're diverse and all this stuff. And you go down to the South and you get hit with it just in the face directly. Nah, you get hit with it immediately. Like, all right, coming from California, the biggest thing was we're diverse. I mean, I had friends, Tongans and Samoans and Blacks and Filipinos and Whites. And I mean, you name it, we'd have been partners since, you know what I'm saying? I can't remember, but you come down South and it's like, wait, listen, we stick with our kinds. And now you can have a one-off, but we're not about to be buddy-buddy that much in public. You know what I mean? So it was weird for me. So I'm coming out here and I'm meeting kids at Tulane and we're doing this. And they from New Orleans, it's kind of like, look, I mean, we cool, but ain't no come kicking it at the house like that. Wow. You know, I, got, I got parents, you know, they they have old the old Southern ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what you deal with. That's what you face with. And so, and so those folks that you would interact with, like with that, mm-hmm. how was their feelings? Did they have their parents' views or did they dip in both uh, worlds saying like, oh, I'm cool, but then when I go home, I'm not cool with y'all? So the best way to say it is, is yes and no. Is I'm cool with you. And when I go home, I'm still cool with you. But you just have to understand, like, my parents ain't cool. Okay. And these are my people. So I can't totally go against the grain. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they know I'm different. They know I'm cool. You know, they, um, I forget the, the white boy's name we had. He came to Dillard, HBCU. He yeah. went and put spinners on his truck. But he's from, he was from, um, like, Denham Springs, Louisiana. Ain't too many black folks out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he had to wait till his head, because he was getting ball fade. So he was faded up. You know what I mean, he <laughs> rolled with it. And, then, you know, when it was time to go home, like, he wouldn't get his hair cut for two weeks because I can't be going home with no ball fade. I mean, like, <laughs> trying to be black right now. You know what I mean? Like, that was a real, real life thing for him. Um, we had this other dude, white dude named Norris. Um, he was from the West Bank, and, like, he went to the black HBCU, wanted to, like, you couldn't tell him he wasn't black. Yeah. But when it came time to go home, a boy put on them t- uh, Sperry Top Siders, that polo shirt, and them khaki shorts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that Jim Harbaugh special? Yeah, yeah. The Jim Harbaugh, my dad's a lawyer special, and uh, and tidied himself up, and it was different. You know, mm-hmm. seeing dynamics, um, seeing, you know, the 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 – how you had to, in essence, segregate to stay cool. Like, yeah, we we can mingle, we mingle and stuff, but we're not about to be buddy buddy too too much. Mm-hmm. No, that had, that had to be a lot. And um, so, how was that adapting? I mean, I know you had an HBCU, so it makes it easier. But but how was that adapting for you in in college? And I mean, you're still learning about yourself. You're 19, you're 18, 19, and still trying to figure all this out. And now it's like you have this new set of parameters that you have to follow you had you had so many new sets because you go to an hbcu so for me not coming not being growing up in the south it's hey i got friends and i don't really care what ethnicity they are yeah. when you go to hbcu bro i had i had a culture shock because i had never been around this many black people for so long yeah I mean, you wake up as black folks, you, you go to lunch as black folks, you go to class as black folks, you go to sleep as black folks. When an event comes in town as black folks, you have special black events. So it was literally a culture shock to where it's like, wait, I kind of, I miss white people and I miss Mexicans. I miss, you know, like mm-hmm. it was strange for them, for me, when I was like, yeah, I, I like Mexican food. I want to find a Mexican restaurant. They're like, nah, soul food, bro. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, nah, I like, I like a burrito truck. What you mean? Yeah. Or... You know, nah, I can I can go wakeboarding or, or boating and stuff like that or water skiing and eight. What what you mean? Like that's what white folks do. Yeah, I hang with them. Nah, we don't do that. Okay. So you had to kind of assimilate in, yeah. you know, and, and adopt and adapt. And in in a way you kind of lose some of it. And then when you lose some of it and you get away and you kind of see like, all right, California white folks are different from everywhere else white folks, and then the racist white folks are showing up different from everywhere else. It, yeah. It's like, you're like, all right, well, I just got to stick with my own kind. Mm-hmm. And it has its adverse effects to it. Just yeah. Right up. 
Nah, no, that has to be because I remember even when I was at uh, my community college out here at DVC, and I was thinking about when I was getting ready to transfer, like going to HBCU, and I was like, I was like, ah, oh, but do I really want to fully be around like black folks? And I was like, a thought I had in my head. It's like right. it's a real thought. Yeah. And like, if you don't say, for instance, like if I grew up in Mobile and it's segregated, and you got blacks on this side of the tracks and white folks going to HBCU is normal. It's, it's going. It's home. Yeah, but you know, you come in Oregon, Seattle, you know, anywhere kind of past Texas, well, really more so past like Arizona, you know, uh, you're diverse. Mm-hmm. You know, you're growing up with Mexicans and all these other people, so it's like that's a real question. Like, can I? It's hard to deal with it, bro. Like, I don't. It's hard. I'm not even gonna sit here and sugarcoat. Like, it, it was hard. It was a hard adjustment. I literally had to call my mom. Was like, I just need a break. And you know, my turn was, I just need a break from niggas. Mm-hmm. Excuse my language, but it was. It was, bro, it was weird. I mean, here's my honest thing. I had never experienced affluent black folks until I got to college. Mm. Like, it was girls that came. They called them the Stiletto Crew. Stiletto Crew. I mean, they came out. I mean, they had Louis Vuitton luggage and all this stuff. And they had the, the Mercedes S-Class. And one had a BMW 7 Series. I'm like, some people, parents can't have this. And, yeah. you know, and you talk to them and they're, Oh yeah, they're such and such royalty in this city in this state, and I'm like, damn, I never met y'all like type before. Like, wow, <laughs> we all grew up with folks. I mean, we was all you know, pillar to post, written. Yeah. And, oh no, we own two apartment complexes and three three of the properties pay for my education. I'm like, oh okay. Oh, so you you ran into black coolest basically, bruh? Yes, I ran into black upper echelons, elite, um, bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Um, like <laughs> you, you, and it, and it came the time like when when certain so like this is how you kind of knew the difference when hurricane season came, and they were the first ones to get like tickets and leave the car and it's kind of like me, my roommate, and my best friend, like a couple other people, like we were stuck, like wasn't no flying home to Kansas City, wasn't no flying yeah. home to to, to California because you know. <laughs> Your parents are affluent. They'll book a thousand dollar ticket at the drop of a dime. You know, my parents are like, "Look, stay safe." Yeah. <laughs> Your ticket for Christmas is booked. We ain't got no money for that. Mm-hmm. No, so that, so that had to be like you, like I said, just super wild and everything. And so, what are some of the wow. things? What are some of the things that you like really learned as far as like? gems from your time at 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 Dillard and everything and down there like what did you really take away from it like that you still see as like almost values and roots you have now um a true understanding and love for self um you don't realize sometimes until you get fully immersed in the black experience of the black diaspora as they like to say and a lot of times it comes from when you do something like african-american studies um And you kind of start, it, it wasn't until my, like, I got in that class where I started really, well, let me back up. Because my mom had always put stuff and made us read books, like Conspiracy Destroyed Black Boys in, in, like, the sixth grade. But it wasn't until I got into that classroom that you kind of realized that America teaches Black history as if it only starts with slavery. Yeah. And so a lot of people's knowledge of Blacks and, you know, even in the schools, like, come from that a point taken right now. I just talked to a young uh, on Facebook the other day of a young lady who just found out what Juneteenth was two years ago. Mm. And reason being, her school never taught her about that. Yeah. Like all she knew was slavery and yeah, Emancipation Proclamation, but what is Juneteenth? But at the same time, we go celebrate as Blacks St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, um, Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Like it's like it's no problem, but if I say, "Hey, June sixteenth, we doing this to the to the eighteenth to the nineteenth, they're like, "What? For what reason?" Yeah. Um, but that's honestly, I can say the biggest takeaway, um, a love of self, man. And I still remember my professor, Doctor Ward, and I mean him coming to class and in dashikis and different things, and kind of like, "Nah, bust this book open. Let's talk about civilization as a whole. Where did it start? Why do we have these great civilizations? Where?" I mean, some people still don't know the oldest university in the world is in North Africa. The mm. oldest library in the world is in Africa. And yet they all only want to relegate us to slavery. Yeah. You know, there would be no Rome. There would be no America, which would be no Rome and Greece if it weren't for the Moors conquering that. Like, bro, I, that's the stuff I took away, like an appreciation of self. So when somebody says nigger, 
like N-I-G-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. I'm not hurt. I'm not offended because you're ignorant. Because if yeah. you really knew what you were saying, you would be saying, hey, father. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, and, and that's what I that's what I try to tell a lot of folks. It's like it's a whole bunch of racism is so much ignorance because you you stop yourself like you don't. One, you you're you are already saying I'm not willing to learn about another people. Right. And then you're like, and then I'm also all this made up bullshit that they made about that race, about the black people, I'm gonna believe and then be envious of them at the same right. time. It's like, y'all fast, y'all strong. I hate you. Like it's like Tanahasi Coates talks about in his book, um, Between the World and Me. Of uh, I remember him uh, touching in the book about his his mother-in-law, I believe, telling about a story when she grew up in the South and like going to football games and stuff. And she went to a predominantly white um, high school. And so the students there, the white students would like dog the other team, like the black players say N-word, like nigger and all that stuff, but then can congratulate the black people on your team. It's like- Yeah, you're, you're different. You're on, you're on the winning side. You're on our side. You're, yeah. not in the, you're, a, you're a different kind of black. Mm-hmm. Like that's a real life term. Like you're not, and you get that in the South. Like you're not, you're not that type. You know, it it, it pains me sometimes. Like, but mm-hmm. it's real. What 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 has been some of like your your experiences you had now, like post school and everything, or just like like you're saying those 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 interactions. Man, um, this the the the, the that, that term. Um, yeah. you're different. What do you mean different? Because I can articulate myself because I can formulate great thoughts. So I can talk about different subjects and topics, uh, well-rounded. Mm-hmm. I'm different. Why, why am I different? I don't, I don't get, that's the biggest takeaway. I'm a shocker. Oh man, you speak, dude, the, the worst one, you speak so well. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because I, I don't think, I think it is, I don't even know. I don't even want to say give him as much credit. Say it's second nature, but it just comes out so easy for many many people. Just how oh, you speak so well. I speak yeah. so well. It's like what? Like what has been your definition and image you've been looking at? It's what the media portrays, man. Yeah, and that's the saddest part. And that's the the fear and the anger from other people that comes. Like when you start talking about like genetically superior. When you start talking about um, when you, when you think about things about melanin and how our bodies are are made to absorb the sun and how, you know, certain things transpire for us that are different for everybody else. And then they get upset. So yeah, like without, without hesitation or without sports enhancing drugs, the blacks on the other team, you know, um, they scored more points than us and they were faster and stronger. And, you know, now you even hear about like NFL stories. Like some people were like, you know, he never even worked out. He never hit a, hit a weight. And then when it came time, you know, he, he outdid everybody. Yeah. You just, that, I mean, uh, even from breeding slavery, they took the the, the big bucks, yeah. the man, female, and bred them together to make super strong children. So mm-hmm. you got kids at seven doing stuff kids at fourteen can't do. This is like your black genomes. It's 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 amazing. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, and it's like, and that's why I hate. I get so tired of like the black athlete sad story being pushed upon like the world. Like that's like. Like, oh, look, this is how they made it, and this is how you can make it. Like that movie, The Blind Side. Like, I hate it. It's like <laughs> right. always having these white saviors coming here. You want to tell our sad stories and everything. Like, I know recently, like, one of the cats got drafted by the um, in the NFL. I forget who he got drafted. His mom had drugs, uh, beat drugs. Yeah. Bro, yeah. That, that, that pissed me off that day. Like, I damn near threw my phone. Like, what the hell does his mom beating crack cocaine have to have crack cocaine issues have to do with him entering the draft it's like that that has nothing to do or like when des bryant got drafted and they asking his mom about being a prostitute they like 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 you wouldn't ask no other like are you asking your hr rep that no you're not asking a white kid from boonville mississippi whose mom is still on meth with no teeth how do you feel that your mom's a meth addict and your dad cooked crank like how did that impact you it's like, and, and that's the, the past white folks get to upset me. Like the, the the clear distinction between the disrespect they'll give us, and we know, and they know we'll take it mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, because we because we have to push through. And I've I've been having this conversation with folks is 
so many of them, like I was talking with a friend the other day, he talked about um, when he was at Gonzaga, and this is years ago, he met a guy there, never ran into a black, like a black person. There is, oh, yeah. no, there is no way a black person could say that about not running into a white person. And he was probably from where, like Nebraska, some, some yeah, some, some we, yeah, some weird place and everything. But it's like that's why, like, you can function as a white person. You can function in this world and not interact with anybody else. Yeah, well, especially as a white person. Um, I mean, because when you start thinking about redlining and things like that, and yeah. the social constructs of of housing development in America, mm-hmm. if we weren't rural areas, we were in urban city environments, and white folks had the luxury and were granted the money to move out to no man's land and start a, a whatever uh, yeah. uh, installment. And y'all just stayed there. A white haven. Yeah, yeah. White haven insulated from the woes of the world. Oh, my gosh. There was this movie years ago. Uh, I forget what it was, but they ended up going into this bunker for 30-some-odd years, and the guy sends his son out, and um, he sees a male lady, uh, a male carrier, and he's like, oh, a Negro. And <laughs> <laughs> and it's like those situations, like some of the cops in, in, in New Orleans, they come from like random places in America and they want to move to a big city and New Orleans is paying a ridiculous amount of money to be a cop right now. And this is their first time ever meeting and encountering black folks. And so they're supremely aggressive because only thing I saw on CNN is angry black folks, angry black folks. Yeah. So I just got to meet them, angry black folks. Like, nah, bro, we not, we're not a monolith in that way yeah. there are some people who are angry there are some people who hate white folks there are some folks that love white folks but not i don't get it but yeah to, to back to your point i'm sorry i deviated but oh, there are good, people, white folks in america uh, uh who are able to live such an insulated life that they do not have to con have contact with other ethnic groups no it's wild but then but then want all of all of the shit from our different backgrounds you want to eat Mexican, I you will never hear a white person say like, "Oh, my favorite food is like Greek food or something like that." You'll never hear that. Never, never. It's like, "Oh, Bro. I love Mexican food. Oh, I love soul Bro. food." My, if my wife is, she can tell you we have this restaurant we go to every Thursday. Well, we used to go to every Thursday uh, called El Patron, and there's this white guy. He's like the racist of racist. Um, he has confederate uh, the confederate patch on his jacket. He has a ring. He has a hat. He got um, redneck something on his on his neck. I mean, like wow. redneck, redneck. But guess where he'd be at every week? The Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. He he he, hate, he loves everything about Mexican, but Mexicans. He loves the food, the music, the everything. <laughs> Damn Mexicans. No, yeah, no. Like I like let 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 them say. Like they always say, you know, to go back to your country, let us leave. Let let Africans go back to Africa and Mexicans go back to Mexico and everywhere else. And Here's see, the thing, though. Huh? I tell they ass go back. Cause any Anglo Saxon in America is an immigrant. Yeah, no, yeah. No, but see, I'm saying on uh, uh, my point, let us go back and then see how you survive. Yeah, we built this thing. They came. First of all, one, we, we, we're liquid. We're what the Jews and financial industries call liquid money. Mm-hmm. Meaning a dollar, a dollar spends six hours in the black community before it goes out. Um, yeah. Our buying power is in the trillions, but collectively we own nothing. So yeah. literally, if black folks would really take like the blackout seriously and not buy, they, we wouldn't even have to riot because all the industries would say, wait, the niggas shut down for a week. Yeah lost billions of dollars mm-hmm. now you know i just i just did a podcast the other day talking about how sports could do that and sports like if the players came and said we not playing that'd mess up so many people then also said as consumers we need to tell 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 amazon we not shopping no more until you until bezos you go talk to your people because you keep getting these tax breaks so you could definitely make something happen so we ain't spending no amazon dollars because because that's where it's at if we can come the the okay so this might be an unpopular truth but um you know i stand by what i say and if they come from my head they come from my head the biggest mistake that mlk did was trying to appease white people and integration oh Um, dude, I, i agree with you yeah when we were segregated and had our own um I mean, we were better off as a people. And, you know, a lot of people, I, I don't do this uh, I'm oppressed thing because I explain to people, they have memes right now that say, don't sell your grandma house. 
Now, why did grandma who came up under Jim Crow, who came up under real segregation, came up under legit racism to where your grandfather would have to look, he couldn't even look a white man in the eye, but was able to buy property in that time. What happened? There was a big disconnect. It's when we wanted to become integrated and be just like white folks that yeah. we, we screwed up. We screwed up. Like, how, we like don't how, own stuff now. Yeah, like how can you feasibly expect to integrate with somebody who believes you are less than? Less than. And you're going to go into their schools and try to learn. Right. Like, like if, if you three-fifths compromise because we were considered three-fifths of a man, like <laughs> they don't even think so highly. We're the only ethnic group in America that has to have our rights to vote um, uh, 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 voted upon. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm following with you. Why, why would you think that marching into them schools would, yeah. would <laughs> you're equal? Like now. right now, like right now, working education, we talk so much about the trauma that students face before they even get to school, like K through 12, even college, like yeah. poverty, hunger, all of that stuff. That's the same thing they were facing back then when they had to get integrated. When I was in my uh, grad school, um, uh, program I brought this up because I and I told him like it was a group I was the only black person in there of course we're always the only one <laughs> yeah, especially when you climb up in that higher education man it's 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 crazy but yeah. I, we were in there watching um this documentary called waiting for Superman which is talk about education and how it needs to be reformed and like how much bullshit it is and I was like in myself this is literally me in a class I'm like am I gonna drop this bomb in here I was like Okay, we're going to do it. So I was like, so the class got quiet. I was like, when I was younger, I used to think older folks are crazy, but I was like, I understand them now. We should have stayed segregated. And I just would have sit there for a minute. And then like, the, like, and these, this is a room full of future counselors. Yes. Future so like you, you supposed to be trying to come in tune with yourself, figure out what I'm trying to say. And then somebody was like, oh, well, how could you say that? And I was like, well, how do you expect a nation of people who were hated on, still hated on and everything, then be forced to go into schools to be taught by white professors and mainly white male professors who hate them. Like, like how are you setting somebody, how is that setting anybody up for success? It's not. It's not. I mean, Black Wall Street was destroyed for a reason. Because they were too prosperous. They were too smart. They did too good without our help. Like, like you, like you gotta be, you gotta be sensible, and that's like the other, like when we say like, like the non-blacks, like if you don't know this history as well, just because you do have melanin, you need to understand the history as well. Like I was a sociology major in my uh, under my undergrad at Cal State East Bay, I learned about all the histories of everybody. Yeah. Like I learned about the the Asian, the Polynesians coming in through Hawaii and coming, and all the backlash that they faced and everything, and you Ellis Island, like you get all of that stuff, but it's like. And all of that trauma and everything from back then is still, there's still people 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years old still living. So that stuff's been passed on. Racism is basically a baton. It's like a yeah. race. It's, it's a baton. I say this all the time. I mean, we're in the South and, oh, I'm not racist. Okay, cool. Your grandfather hung Negroes. Your father was, was at a hanging. There's some shit that they instilled in you that's in there. You have some implicit biases. Like, the racists just didn't die. Them kids that were at hangings and lynchings and yeah. black burnings and cross burnings, who are they now? They're your judges. They're your politicians. They're your chiefs of police. They're, and this is why I, I say that we need to infiltrate these arenas. Well, okay, let me go back to another point. In yeah. We do ourselves a disservice by just sending our kids to school. Asians, Indians... And even our African brothers and sisters come over, they are assigned and told what you're gonna do. You're gonna be a doctor. You're gonna be like, there's some, uh, this Asian family I know, and the kids hate it, but one dude is a pharmacist because his mom said that one had to be a pharmacist, one had to be a doctor, one had to be a dentist. Mm -hmm. They were assigned their job assignments. We, on the other hand, send our kids to school and just say, go to college. But do what? Yeah. What, what am I coming out to? What industry am I supposed to go into? No, no plan. There, there's no real uh, value assessment early to try to figure out. Because like when I was coming, right. like, we, we went to Bethel. When I came out of Bethel, Cos I always tell people this. Costco came to us and was hiring. I, went, I worked at Costco.
the Air Force came and recruited, I was damn near about to ready to go to the Air Force. So when the options come to you, especially when you don't have options, you're going to explore it. Easy. Yeah. My so, thing from my mama was either you go to the military or college. I don't care what your degree, your degree was going to be in, but you're going. Okay. Yeah. Now, thankfully, my dad went to school and I wanted poli sci and was going into politics. But honestly, had my, my dad not been a poli sci major, I don't know what I would have did. Yeah. Like right now, to this day, we're the most credentialed. Um, we have the most credentialed, and I don't say educated because we got a lot of dumb fools yeah, um, um, that yeah. have degrees. But we are the most credentialed in, Af in history in America, African-Americans, mm -hmm. but are not dominating in any industries. Why is that? Because we were not assigned and told something to do. Yeah. No, the, no, the power of that and the cultivating. And it's so sad. And because usually the cultivating and all of that stuff happens and that those assessments happens when it's a sport. Yes. Never, never when it's the mind. And that's why like people, like I have a conversation with people, they're like, oh, how could that athlete do that? And like they made all these millions. I'm like, just because you give somebody something doesn't mean they know how to manage it. Don't mean they even understand it. They know their talent and they turn their talent into profit, but that don't mean they know the other end. It's like a director of a movie. They don't understand all the intricacies of every part of like who's running the cat. They don't understand all of that part. So it's educating yourself to fully understand what all is going on, but they get athletes get so cultivated often into just perfect your skill where you don't develop your brain and everything all the time. Like that's why you get these black yeah. athletes and they make millions of dollars and it's over and then they ain't got no money. Well, aside from that, we're not taught about the value of a dollar. Yeah. And if I had no money, no, no, no money management skills, no knowledge, no information about it. And like, <laughs> so the biggest thing, if you get a million dollar bonus, 47.7% or, or a little bit less, 43 to 47% automatically goes to IRS. Mm -hmm. So you're working 500 plus thousand. If you have an agent, 20% of that is gone, right? Yeah. So you have taxes. So you're, you're not a millionaire when you first get that million dollar check. And so a lot of the guys blow it and end up owing the house. Mm -hmm. And then you get the family members, the, the coattail riders. Oh, I'm in the pocket. I was your, I paid for you, your sixth grade. Okay, you're right. Let me buy like, you. Like, like Joyner Lucas just said on his album, he like his, his aunt thinks she, uh, he owe her something because he fed her a meal one time. And it's like, it's like, like, come on. It's like, it's, it's craziness. Everybody has skills. Everybody has talents, but you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to fully eat off of somebody else's talent. Like, but that, that's that, um, that's a part of the black DNA that was, that that's, well, that's written in a black DNA that Southern migration when we migrated from the South, that was lost because still it's still a Southern tradition. If one make it, we all make it. We all yeah. eat off. Of um, I mean, I got a cousin out here right now after Katrina, you know, he had a um, a trucking company and he moved his dump trucks. Mm -hmm. So right afterwards, he literally had the only 12 dump trucks in the city, oh, like wow. black or white that were running. So he got, I mean, million dollar contract. I mean, he had so much money. He just was just spending it on nothing, on everything. Mm -hmm. And the family ate off of him for a cool minute. Like, wow. got, and that's just a Southern thing. Like, it's different for white folks and black folks. Like I never forget, I was hearing the story of a, a, a MLB player, and he was talking about how he was explaining to one of his white uh, players in the locker room he's gonna take care of his mom and do something for her. And he was like, "For what? I mean, she's grown." And he was like, "You don't help out with your mom?" He was like, "Nah, they still stay in the small house that we grew up in." And he was baffled by that. But that's the the sense of community that we once had. That's why the yeah. bo bus boycott worked and the civil rights movement worked because we had a community and group think now it's individual i yeah. get mine and if you get yours oh well you know yeah no and it's like and and like what you were talking on it's the so much in our dna of 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 black culture is show wealth not actually have wealth <laughs> Woo! <laughs> but you know if people really listen to the, the 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 street prophet e40 the way that they should um you know, he said, I can make you, you know, he said one thing. He said, don't buy an $85,000 car before you buy a house, all right? Yeah. Get your priorities in straight. But then at the same time, he also told us, you know, I can make you think I'm at my best when I'm at my worst. Mm -hmm. And the thing I learned about affluence, I mean, 
me even right now, I know the guy who owns Stonebridge uh, land. He nets about $42 million a year. Mm-hmm. He drives the same 1992 Crown Victoria and has a house probably 7,000 square foot uh, and wears damn near the same pair of Levi jeans like, like uh, Jay Leno mm-hmm. and his rich. Then I got a guy down two blocks around the corner, got a Bentley and looked like a million bucks. But you know what I mean? Like literally he lives around the corner with the Bentley, but can't afford to get it fixed right now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, may, that maintain. Cause it's like, it's like Ken, like Dr. Dre said on a Kendrick album, like when he came out to his house, he was like, yeah, any, anybody can get it, but can you keep it? And keep it yeah and 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 that's the key part in everything and so um i just wanted to touch on a little bit also because you were out there in katrina and how was that for you and everything being out there bruh it was love and it was love and hate afterwards like going to a different state initially after the storm we went to georgia and you know we were all oh, you guys were dumb and you should have stayed and you should have left and like the thing the media doesn't tell was that summer we had two other hurricane scares and those hurricane scares were a category three and four. So when we get a one, two, like, okay, let me back up. Katrina itself did nothing to new Orleans. Mm. Let me clear. The storm did nothing. It's the breaching of the levees that caused the flooding. Like everybody around here survived Katrina. It's when the levees were breached that we became in trouble. Okay. Because everybody knew Katrina was a, a cat one or two. Like the, the we could we could survive that. That was yeah. that was nothing. But it's when the levees got breached that um and I'm glad you said this, bro. Like this is the truth. I have I guess PTSD from Katrina and I took some pictures with the I have in, in my closet upstairs, man. I still have the portable um the re, the whatever the disposable um the disposable uh, camera. camera. I have Polaroid like taking my footage from like Katrina like oh god the water's rising oh my god there's a boat in the street oh my god it's flooding like I have the yeah. three camps still I've never went and got developed because I don't want to relive that trauma again like mm. it was traumatic my next door neighbor died my aunt, great aunt and their two sons uh when the levee breached knocked their house away and they were in their house like never gone like they probably were eaten by gators or something like wow. a lot of trauma came from that but um overall man it made me value life and appreciate life and not things. Mm-hmm. And so, and I saw, I know when I came down there to New Orleans a couple of years ago and we reconnected, you were, you were telling me about, um, black excellent and, and, and Atlanta, um, and, and seeing that, I want you to, I want you to touch on that piece. But it's a, it's a different go-getter mindset in Atlanta. It's like the Mecca. It's like, if you're there and you're black, everybody around you is pushing you to be better and do the most. Mm-hmm. And like it's literally impossible for you to be out there and then not do better. Like you would have to really just not want to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I mean the, that that was my first time ever seeing going to Atlanta. That same year was the first time I ever saw a black man in a Rolls Royce, a black man in a Bentley, and they're not driving it. They were they were had drivers. Oh, um, see, that, see that's that's my life because one of my goals in life is to have a chauffeur. Bro, I pulled up to Lenox Square Mall with my aunt. And, uh, I mean, that was the mall. Uh, and this is my aunt who has right now a, a house in the, the Hamptons of uh, at the outskirts of Atlanta. Lives in um, outside of Tampa, Tampa, Florida right now. Has a three-story mm-hmm. house with elevator. They took their yacht out for her birthday the other day. So I'm driving <laughs> with her and her Jaguar, and she's upset. Because it's just a Jaguar. I'm like, but shit, this is the top of the line, like special edition. And we're pulling up and we're behind the Rolls Royce and black dude gets out. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> There's a black dude popping out the back of the Rolls Royce doing the Bentley. Like, <laughs> I mean, bro, black excellence out there. It's, just, it's, it's a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Like it's mediocrity is not. Mediocrity is yeah. not accepted. And how did that push you seeing that and, and, and everything? It made me want to do better and do more. It made me, all right, nah, I don't want a, a, a one-story house. I want a two-story house. I want this amount of square footage. No, I want this car. No, I want this. No, I want my business to do this. No, I want my credit score to be here. Like, to have perfect credit, like, was awesome. It was amazing. Like, you know, when I tell people what my wife and I's credit scores are, like, they're just shocked. Like, what? 
I'm like, yeah, I get, I get, all, I, I literally have offers from American Express. I have not like filled in. Like they send me stuff like credit card companies all the time. Like come get it with us because it's so good. Like it yeah. just made me not want to be like anybody else. Not want to be like I'm not down in my parents in any way, but I don't want to be like I don't. I don't, I don't I it called you to a higher level, basically. Yeah. And so and so you you touched on businesses and stuff and so I I know I know you got a few things rolling down there, um, man man what you doing because you inspire me and everything I'm like man Isaiah down there, doing this thing like I got to make sure I get on my thing but um what what you what you what all you got going on, or what you want to share, so man I have uh, Arms Enterprise uh, and I learned that to enterprise so all the um subsidiary companies will be under that umbrella. So uh, Angel Arm Enterprise consists of Angel Arms Apparel, um, which are our t-shirt um, and clothing line that I do. Um, I have this series called Faith Got Me Living Different. Um, then I also do sports uh, bottles and products with our Angel Arms uh, logo on there. Um, then I also have Angel Arms uh, NOLA, which is a firearms training uh, company. And we do concealed carry, personal carry, home defense, church defense, and then uh, once I get my FFL, my federal firearm license, um, I'll have angel arm guns. And so I'll be able to sell guns. And eventually I want to go into designing uh, my own gun as well. Oh, wow. Um, and that's where we're at, man. I'm jumping into, well, not really the fashion aspect of it, but especially the firearms aspect of a white dominated industry. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm so, man, we cleared uh for me it was great that was i had a great month of may we cleared ten thousand dollars in sales just oh, in the, nice. the field carry permits and um it's not being braggadocious in any way i'm just saying that what i'm doing is providing a a need and filling a niche in the black community mm -hmm. like nobody else can yeah no that's that's awesome congratulations man definitely talking that you, you you got me thinking and definitely right there, like getting my conceal and carry license. And you do a lot of posting and stuff around um, gun awareness and, and advocacy and everything. So go ahead and talk about your 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 experience with it and, and why you're such a big advocate for it, especially in the black community. Um, I'm an advocate for it in the black community because all gun control is uh, racist. And a lot of people say, what, what do you mean by that? And so I have this platform. Um, gun control was created because freed men and women of color um, came on the scene and white people were scared that if given the opportunity, would they attack us like we attack them? And so they created gun control and gun legislation and gun laws. And at its core, at its core is racist. Understanding that I wanted to um, jump into something that not only do I have a, a, a need to, but I have a constitutional right. And so um, I believe it's our duty um, to do it and do it right. The biggest thing that happened was for gun control legislation negatively for black folks, for the Black Panthers, when they marched into the Capitol in, um, in California. Right. Had they never done that, California's gun laws would be totally different right now. Mm. But because they were fearful. Now, um, point taken in Minnesota right now, three weeks ago, white folks walked up on guns on the state Capitol and they were considered okay. Right now, black folks are marching peacefully and they're considered a threat. Um, being that we're considered a threat, being that, you know, my skin tone is weaponized. Um, I want to make sure I have the best opportunity if I'm ever encountered with deadly force that I can defend myself. Hands down, we can go toe to toe with anybody and, and, and win, but majority of Americans are not carrying fists they're carrying guns yeah um we have over 275,000 women in the state of texas that are concealed carry holders wow one in one in every four they say is a woman that carries a gun so um yes it's a need i started this thing to break down the stigma about african-american gun usage and ownership there yeah. are negative stigmas about it um people are fearful of them because when you hear about guns, it's something negative, but I want to be a living with a, a testament and witness to proper training and information translate into positive ownership for blacks. Mm -hmm. And so what, what would you, what advice would you give to somebody on, on that fringe of like, Oh, like I know guns are bad and i really don't want to get a gun, but like I'm seeing where everything is at right now. And I'm kind of, 
what advice would you give them? Like what step, what advice would you give them and what steps should they follow if they are really want to go ahead and pursue and uh, get, get a, get, get a license and get a gun. All right. Um, you know, step one, you, you do need it. Um, and then, well, let me back up. Step zero, uh, guns by themselves cannot hurt a person. Mm-hmm. It's when guns are used improperly uh, and you ignore the rules of safe gun handling that they then become unsafe. All right, so step number one is own a gun. Uh, now, whether you get your permit concealed to carry or anything like that, depending upon your state laws, you need to own a gun. If it's nothing else but defend yourself uh, if somebody comes into your home. Mm-hmm. Um, Secondly, figure out what your price is and what's your purpose. Now, a lot of people, they say, oh, well, you have a lot. Well, I have different guns for different purposes. I have, you know, God rest uh, of the soul of Ahmad Aubrey, but I have a Ruger LCP that when I go jogging with my wife is a handheld gun. It's literally the size of my palm. Um, mm-hmm. That's six shots. You run up on us. I mean, I got six shots to take you out and tell my wife to run. And if I be demised in that moment, then you know, she'll be safe. Um, then I have bigger guns and, you know, different sizes, uh, you know, as you get into it, know what you want. But uh, I encourage and I, I beg every lawful African-American that can own a gun to own one. Just one, even if you own multiple, just one, go get one. Yeah. And so- it's, it's time, bro. Like I'm, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, I'm just, I mean, when you look at the times, like, <laughs> they're there before they even rioted, you know. And again, well, I'm not even going to the riots because it's really not us. But they had the Boogaloo boys talking about they're ready to go set it off. What we're we're walking and y'all want to come shoot us? Come yeah. on! Like us asking for peace and and equality is is a threat to you. Yeah, it's a threat to your whiteness because I would have to recognize that. I'm doing unjust things. Mm-hmm. And that pains me, bro. Like, it pains me to see white people are upset about the looting, but you wouldn't comment about a man being murdered yeah. on camera for the world to see. But you're upset. Hey, they looted. And my question, I've been killing them with, so tell me, what are your thoughts about the Boston Tea Party? Because the Boston Tea Party for months... They, 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 they t- we don't, we don't want to deal with this. We're not dealing with, we're not dealing with this. This is wrong. And finally, you know, what we're going to, and this is the thing about the Boston Tea Party. The, they, white folks dressed up like Indians, <laughs> colored their faces to go and destroy something. And when you look at the, the protest right now, white folks put on all black, covered up their face, spray painting Black Lives Matter and destroying everything. That shit's written in their DNA. And some of them, not all, some, not yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean, and you have, and I remember seeing this video of this lady, this white lady talking about, and this was before even um, George Floyd, and I think I think it was after Ahmad, um, how she had to consciously unlearn racism, like you you have to consciously unlearn it and do the work to unlearn it. I met somebody in a going back to like my grad program who was like her parents were racism. She had to unlearn that stuff. And it's like, it's on you to unlearn that and put it into action. The craziest thing I saw this morning was like this video of a white chick down to Santa Monica in her uh, Mercedes SUV. Like this dude is up there like boarding up a like place and she gets out the car and asks to take a picture with the drill. Takes a picture with the drill like she working and then bounces. Oh, because you know she's about to post it. Oh yeah, no, no. She even said like, oh, this would be a good one for Instagram. And then said, good luck, BLM. Bruh, I was, I was so, and that's that pain, that pain that you talk about, because it's like, and I was going to post something about this earlier, and I was like, I don't, as black people, if you're, if you're a non-black person and, like, don't really understand minority plights in general, this is something, we, we want and desire and should have equality and fairness and everything. But we know that's not going to come from everybody. We know that. This isn't going to be like, oh, y'all got this conscious wake up one day now and you're all good. And it's like everybody's going to be fine. Like we know there's still going to be your racist auntie and cousin and stuff and them still out there operating. And, but and guess the... what? And you have to associate with them people. Yeah. And you have to damn near agree and laugh at the jokes that where you're not cracking up, falling over, but <laughs> you stupid ass black folks. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Why your boo thing is why. Bruh, uh, I took my mom uh, after her 50th birthday, so this was four years ago, to um, the plantation tour. And the plantation guide was a white woman who said what you were saying. She had to unlearn racism. She said, I remember um, during the civil rights movement on the trolley and on the bus, picking up the sign where it said whites only and moving it back. So purposely, there were only two rows of, of, of black row seating on the bus wow. and the rest empty. And the statement my mom said, my mom said, she's one to two instant instances where a black person does something wrong to her where she's right back at that point mm -hmm. yeah because it's still there yeah it's still there you have to it, consciously it's in their heart. <laughs> yeah it's 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 like like it's like a virus it's like anything it's still there you have to work to heal yourself and correct yourself of it yeah and so we know it's not about to flip, but that's why we're saying laws when it is in the sense of laws. That should be plain. That's yeah. why, like, I know you're probably on it when stuff happened and, like, uh, Philip uh, Castile and the NRA doesn't speak out. And it's like gun ownership. Like, you don't, you don't speak out at all, but we know why. But at the law level, when there's laws, bills, all of that stuff, it should be equal. It should be equal, but like even with the Philando Castile thing, now I not I don't agree with it, but I had to understand the NRA's position, and I had to explain it to one of my boy. Well, she was a uh, one of my guy. He was an Omega, and so well, he is an Omega. And I said, "All right, bro, look, if I'm not a Q, but we all went to an HBCU together, and I do something, can I expect Omega Sci-Fi to have my back?" And mm -hmm. he was like, "No, you're not a card-carrying member." Okay. Just because I own a gun doesn't mean that the National Rifle Association recognizes me. You literally have to be a member to be recognized. So while Philando Castillo owned a gun, he wasn't an NRA member. So mm -hmm. you can't, you can and you can't. You can expect morally for them to say, hey, man, he had a permit. Like, what the hell's wrong with y'all? But at the same time, we represent our card-carrying members. And yeah. he wasn't a card-carrying member. So, you know, but that's why on the flip side, I do appreciate NAGA, National Association of African American Gun Owners. They okay. spoke out. Um, they speak up whether you're a member or not. If you black, you own a gun and it's right, like they stand up for you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's 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 another side to it. But all right, well, we just I just got some new knowledge. So that thank you for that information and everything. No problem. And so um I really want to mess with people because we really just went into talking about, you know, guns and everything and all that stuff and, and the pain. And then flip and then talk about your work in ministry because I really want to mess them up now. <laughs> hey, yeah. So I am a uh, I am a pastor, um, and a lot of people always like, well, how can you agree with that? And I say, you need to read Luke. And then Luke, uh, Jesus told he, he told him he said, you'd be a fool if you don't sell, uh, take some money out your purse and buy you a sword. Now they weren't using pistols, but what he was saying, the context and full context, even if you take that one verse or you highlight that whole chapter. Um, he was talking about protection and helping yourself. And Jesus said, you're a, you're a fool if you don't take your money and buy you something to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what, you know some people gonna try to fact check you. What, what, uh, what, uh, Luke, what? If I'm not mistaken, it's Luke 22 and 12. Okay, nah, just 22, like, like they could go look for it in 22. It's either 22 and 12 or 12 and 22. Uh, where Jesus said, you're a fool if you don't sell I'm 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 gonna remember it by the time we leave. Yeah, the um, fact that the fact that it's 22 is funny to me though. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> like a 22. Oh, a 22. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but you know, but the thing is, like, even even Christ, like, you know, whether you believe the Bible is a fairy tale or just a book of stories. All right, cool. But the story went, you know, um, Peter, his disciple, chopped off a man's ear. Peter was strapped up. Yeah. When they went and grabbed Jesus, now nah, you ain't gonna grab my boy. You know that'd have been. The dude with a gun, he pulled his knife off, chopped the dude's ear off. Mm -hmm. So he rolled with people that was ready to bang. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 real. And so, no, I, I definitely want to hit him with that as your work in, in ministry. And you do great stuff. Like, I remember talking to you about the stuff you were doing down there as far as groups and stuff for young men and, and the men in the church and everything as well. So you are definitely a, a community leader and, and believe in bringing up one everybody but also our black people because we need it yeah and 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 the beauty is you're going at it at different avenues because a lot of people don't tackle um 
uh, firearm ownership and everything. And like, cause even, even seeing your page and everything, you being more active, it really, even before all of this got me to really start to think about it. Cause I was one of those people like, nah, like I'm not getting a good, my thing is I'm going to get access cause I'm in the ax throwing now. I'm going to definitely get some access. Hey bro, I see you, you, and, and that's your joy, bro. Like you really be like, ah, yeah, you see that? <laughs> like I really be smiling like, Hey, that's Doug thing. So, so yeah, no, I'm definitely getting me some customized axes, but, uh, but that's a that's a white industry. Like you're a black dude throwing axes. Yeah, yeah. So like that, like homeboy who hopped out the car the other day with a bow and arrow thought he was gonna take people out. But so, dude, what? Okay, so <laughs> I'm glad we can talk, and I just want to touch on a couple points real quick with that. Yeah. That, okay, him, and then the lady in Central Park. All right, uh, white people weaponize fear. To a certain thing. So that guy was on video and was attacked by nothing but white folks, but got out and said black folks hit him. Yeah. That white woman in Central Park knew what she was doing. She told her that man, I'm going to call the cops and say a black man attacked me. And here's my biggest problem, not with them, with the guy with the bow and arrow, but with that woman and the black man. It's a term that I'm calling and I'm going to come up and, 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 and coin it. It's, um, black sorrow for white rage that man felt sorry that that woman tried to have him killed and yeah. said, hey you guys don't 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 go at her i don't want her to lose her job she wanted you to lose your life yeah we we feel sorrow for white rage yeah no it's it's crazy no when i when he came out with that i was like i was like bruh i'm like you 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 got it but then it's also what is his background makeup? Because, you know, sadly, all of us don't identify with everything that this pigment has gone through. Man. And 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 that's a, that's a whole nother topic, but, bruh, like that, like, and then the scream and everything. Look, she up here choking her dog out, and, like, I was so, I was telling my friend, I hope her dog got adopted by, like, a black family, and they take pictures and post it all over social media. And, look, the biggest thing about that, right, all the white folks were like, oh, poor black dude. Who do they come to, to real defense of? They came and took her dog. Yeah. Like, like that's how that's how much we're 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 valued and undervalued in America that a a dog has more empathy and sympathy from America than a man whose life could have just ended based Michael, on a lie. Michael Vick. And we ain't we Michael they they haven't even forgiven him yet. No, no. So like when, no, because when he was gonna be a captain at well, the they uh, boy that we're boycotting. Yeah, the captain of the, of the All Star team. What? I'm like y'all y'all and dogs like y'all y'all gotta calm down. Like because y'all y'all ain't going Bro, that hard. Real quick, Luke twenty two and thirty six. It's Luke twenty two and thirty six. All right, there you go, folks who listening yeah. and who want to be like, I'm gonna go see it. So there you go. Luke 22. This 22 is still there, though. I knew 22 is still there. Yeah, it's still a 22. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> oh, man. So um, as we get ready to close this out, man, I, I definitely appreciate appreciate your, your time and everything, man, and sharing your story. Um, what, just to close out, what what advice do you have for us us out there? And, and then also after that, um, how can they find all of the stuff that you're mainly, um, you know, if they're down there in your area and want to get a, a concealed and carry license and everything and just connect with you more, how can they do that? So first, just any closing pieces and then how can they connect with you? All right, man, closing piece one. Uh, thank you again for allowing me the opportunity to be here and share in this space and at this platform. I don't take it lightly, um, but closing advice, man, listen, um, arm yourselves. Um, Learn how to throw axes. I wish I could run upstairs and show you. Like, I got an axe because of you. It's a hat. <laughs> like, I, I, I'm dead. Look, I'm, I'm going to walk upstairs while we're yet talking. But I want you to see my hatchet that I got. And I started sharpening it because of you. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm in, industry, I'm in an industry that is dominated by white men. But, like, bruh, I see the joy that's on your face. Like, you did the, the you hit a center target. I think you had on, like, all black or something. And when yeah. you turned around and took that picture, I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Look, let me take it out of this sheet. It's called a sheet, right? Look. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I went and bought me a hatchet. I mean, because of you. Like, all right. Um, but um, my closing remarks to people, look, arm yourselves. 
um, with firearms, get familiarized with it. Um, don't lean into any of the stigmas about uh, blacks and guns. Um, we can change that stigma one person in one day at a time. Um, and then also when you get it, get trained and get trained properly. Um, it's not that expensive. Um, secondly, how can they find me? Um, it's uh, on Facebook and on Instagram at Angel Arms NOLA. Um, my website is angelarmsnola.com. Uh, and if they're ever in the New Orleans area, Louisiana area, um, hit me up. I'm trying to get a training in August, August 15th and 16th, uh, which is the USCCA training, which is the United States Concealed Carry Association. Uh, once I get that certification, I'll be able to go nationwide and start teaching. And nice. I mean, I promise you, that's one of my goals. I want to be, you know, uh, one of those names that people see and associate, damn, black gun ownership. Like, he helped change the game. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the ultimate goal with this, man. Change the game. It's not about gloating or anything. I just want to change the game. Nah, man, I, I, I definitely appreciate it. And having you in this lane has really changed my opinion of gun ownership. So I, I, I thank you for that. The way... I encourage you to go get an axe is the way you have encouraged me in the sense of firearms and everything. And so um, the same avenue, um, if you want to reach him and let's say you want to donate or, or contribute to his cause, uh, folks, uh, please do the same as well. Um, check out the Instagram. Take that out. You know what? And I just going to add a donate button to the website because one person wanted to donate some money and they actually did via um, Cash App to me. And Cash App is Cash App. Um, it's dollar sign Angel Arms Nola. But yeah, if you want to donate to the cause, and listen, if you want to donate to the cause, the cause that it's donating to is um, we're going to give away um, a concealed carry permit and firearms training to a single mother. Uh, we're also going to do it uh, for a man as well. We don't just want to be gender uh, biased mm -hmm. um, as well. So if you guys want to donate, that donation uh, helps go to that. And if you specify when you're donating on uh, like on the uh, Cash app, or Zelle or anything like that, like, hey, um, for a free class for somebody, uh, please do so. Um, but yeah, man, anything that anybody can do helps. Uh, and we greatly appreciate y'all. Yeah, and, I, and I'll tag all of that on all the uh, platforms that I, when I post this episode on, um, so they can reach out to you and everything as well. So man, Isaiah, I truly appreciate it, man. And uh, you and the fam stay safe. Oh, man, I, I will, man, you do the same. And uh, I'm, I'm a I'm going to work on my axe throwing, bro. So next time I come to the Bay, like, we're going Hey, you laugh, bro. I went and got that, and it's the wrong one I found out. But I didn't know no better. I was like, bro, Doug really looked. Because I've seen you do it. I'm like, bro, he's really happy. Like, and I went out there and threw it at my fence. And I was like, oh, shit, this is fun. Yeah, no, it's, 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 <laughs> like, it's funny because so many people, when I have a conversation about them with axe throwing, they're like, like, they don't, in their head, they don't get it. I'm like, okay, you know the game darts, right? They're like, yeah. Now replace the dart with an axe. And they're like, oh, oh, like so many people are scared of it, though. They're like scared of it. Doug, my first thought of me throwing it was like I put gloves on. So I was like, OK, what if my hand gets loose and I go to throw it and it drops and then I get hit in the head? Like, so I'm like watching your form. I'm like, OK, you two handed, So I can't one hand it. So I can only throw it. Then I'm watching people on YouTube and they're one handed. it. So I'm like, wait. Okay, I can one hand it, but I threw that thing at the fence and it hit the area that I wanted it to hit in. Yeah. I said, oh man, I'm in. You know, once 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 I get some more practice and stuff on it, like more, it's going because I got the underhand throw too. There's an underhand throw. I'm not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Hey, I'm just getting. Whoop. Hey, yeah. it's, a, it's a certain way that you have to chuck it too because it, if not, the handle will hit the wood versus yeah. the actual axe. Yeah, no, and it's because the crazy part is like even the training that I got like from the people there, it's really one, it's really one rotation. When you when you do it right, there's only one rotation. You're not like like it's yeah. like one good rotation and it's there. Hollywood has it messed up. Like Hollywood people think like silencers make or suppressors make a gun go. Yeah, nah, nah, you still know it's a gun. You know, in Hollywood, you think you're throwing a, the, a, the axe across the room 50 times. And yeah. It's hit. That no, was ours like, ours like a shotgun going to blow you from your porch to your kitchen. Right. <laughs> I, I, no lie, I had a guy call me today. I'm doing the, um, helping him out, um, learn about his shotgun. He was like, yeah, cause I'm scared because I don't want to blow myself back. Uh, he, oh, Kevin Hart in that movie, uh, Ride Along. He was like, I don't want to fall back like Kevin Hart's Ride Along. I'm like, what? Then I had to think about it like, wait, that's a movie, bro. You're not yeah. 
blast that far back. Yeah, no, no, it's it's, it's hilarious, man. But uh, really, really, really appreciate it again, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you for this platform. This has been another episode of Dig Undug. I really hope you got something out of this. And if you did, go ahead and make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. Also, you can reach me on Instagram at digundug or email me at digundug at gmail.com. Share this with your family, friends, co-workers, and your squad. I look forward to your comments. And with that, keep digging, y'all. Peace out.